Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Pay. So, Tom, um, how often do you find um, footprints together, like more than one Sasquatch walking through the same area. Has that been uh, documented by you so far? Once. Once. That's it, huh? Once. Actually, it was in Indiana, southern Indiana. Which is still not far from you. It's not, no. I mean, how, how many air miles is that? Twelve. Twelve, yeah, yeah. There you I go. Right across the river. I had somebody call me up and said that uh, they had seen something out there. They seen, no, I actually, it's all three. I am sorry. They saw three. Mm. And they was walking alongside a, uh, an adjacent ridge alongside a road in Indiana. And uh, the gentleman called me up and told me about it and stuff. I said, well, meet me in Madison and take me out there? He goes, yeah. Took me out there and we went out there and looked. And uh, lo and behold, there was like three different types of, sort of footprints up there where I had walked along the side of this ridge. I think I casted those. Well, if I pull my notes out, I could tell you. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I also sketch everything out. Uh, my, my tracks, my prints, I sketch about because I got details in it that I'm going to look at later on and stuff like that. So, you know, if there's a rock or a tr- uh, limb going through it, or a stick going through it, I document all that. So, when it comes out, you know, somebody says, what was this here? Well, it was a stick. What's the most? Uh, what's the longest track where you found? That was me and one gentleman back in 2013. We followed. We followed uh, one. I think it was uh, almost a quarter mile. How do they usually lose you? Like, what is there a certain kind of terrain that they'll? Do you think they go up trees, or they head for rocks, or they head into the creeks? How how do you usually lose the trail? Either rocky areas or brush. Uh, in this instance, we was back and we walked all the way back through the area and followed it. And whatever this was, it went massively through this briar patch. There was no way we could go through it. The briar patch would be a good opportunity to pull some hair samples, I would think. Now, I know you found hair samples, actually. I, I, I don't want to interrupt your story too much. But um, I know you have hair samples because one of the ones you lent me turned out to be Sasquatch. Uh, uh, this past year, I had an opportunity to go to Dr. Meldrum's lab and sit down with them with a microscope for a few hours. And Jeff and I went through all the hair samples that I've gathered over the years from various people or from my own expeditions or whatever. And yours was the only one that met Dr. Henner Fehrenbach's golden standard. It, it was uh, quite interesting and very pleasing to find. So, Yeah, that there was found uh, in the area that I took you and Bobo in. Right, 
Right. Uh, that was uh, where it brushed up against a, uh, a cedar tree, a broken branch. And you, and you were following a track line at the time, yeah. is that correct? That's, that's correct. Yeah, and uh, Sasquatch hair is very um, specific, I guess, in its uh, characteristics. Because um, ape hair in general, first of all, apes don't have fur. They have hair. It's a difference. Um, there are no guard hairs or you know undercoat or anything like that. It's just hair, much like a human. Um, if you look at it under a microscope, it always shines red because it's backlit. That's one of the characteristics. Also, the sides are nearly parallel with no taper or very, very little taper towards the end. And if you can find the end of the hair, it has a blunt end. It's not cut, obviously, like a human's would be, um, but it also doesn't taper down like a monkey or a bear or anything else. There's actually a blunt air, a blunt end on it. And that hair sample that you gave me turn, turns out it has all of those characteristics. So it was a phenomenal find. Oh, it yeah. also lacks, lacks a medulla, which is the sucky part. Um, a medulla is, uh, is the center hollow shaft of the hair. And um, it's the only place in a hair where one might be able to extract DNA material. And it turns out that Sasquatch hairs either lack a medulla or have a very fragmentary medulla, making it even harder to get DNA out of uh, such things. So. so, Tom, getting back to the... Uh evidence of what they eat, what else have you discovered that they, they eat and what, and what time of year did you say that was? Well, when they move up toward uh, farms and stuff like that is from uh, late November to, I think, around March. From March until October, it's just a sporadic. You find them in berry patches? Or you, do you, how often do you find their scat? What do you find in that? Well, we only found scat once, and uh, we got the report. And there was a bunch of girls. They was driving down this road next to a little Kentucky River. And they called me up and said, are you the Bigfoot guy? I said, yeah. We just saw a Bigfoot. But where? And they told me. And all the girls were trying to, to describe it, you know, while one was talking. And I said, calm down. <laughs> and and uh, one of the girls in the background telling me how effing big it was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and... and, and these, these girls, I mean, they were teenagers. Uh, their mom had was there uh, when they called me. And they told me where it was at. They were like, yeah. so me and Rodney went down there the next day. And we found out where this thing had been in the cornfield. When it went back over by the creek and stuff like that, we found some humongous, I mean, humongous piles of dung of corn. I think we all know what that looks like. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was huge. I mean, there was no way. Uh, it was just a lot of dumb. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I mean, I mean, good lord, it looked like like the uh, heavens opened up and the floodgates. <laughs> I mean, wow, the heavens opened up and the floodgates. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's like shit from heaven. Yeah, it was a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> What was the shape? Was it human looking, kind of like that cable look, or was it? It kind of did, but it was also too, it, like the runs too. And what time of year was that? That was in July. You guys have berries that time of year? Yeah. The, when they're in the berry patches, I've noticed that it seems like they get some real runny kind of scat. Well, yeah, man, we got a lot of orchards in this county, and uh, we got peaches, we got pear, uh, apples. There's one place that grows a lot of watermelon and cantaloupe, stuff like that. Uh, 
Oh, good. Now, I've been to a couple of them fields and uh, where something had been eaten. I mean, like human teeth had bit into the, the cantaloupes and stuff. But, I, you know, you can't say, well, that was a Sasquatch that did that because, you know, that could have been somebody that was really hungry or something like that that stopped in there. The size of the bite marks didn't, um, you know, discount human? Well, it did. It was way bigger than my, my bite. Yeah. Because what I did, I took a, I took a piece of paper out of my notebook, and I, I bit down on the paper and tried to judge it up. And it was just slightly bigger than mine. Hmm. Okay. Hey, Tom, what advice do you have for people that are maybe just getting into Bigfoot, or even, shoot, for that matter, long-time researchers? What's your best pieces of advice for success out in the field and getting evidence? Trust your instincts. That's the best thing. Yeah, but what if your instincts suck? Well, if you got a, you got somebody who's seasoned with you, listen to him or her. <laughs> listen to no. him. We all don't know it all. Even I don't know it all. I'll be the first one to tell you. You, know, you come up, you say something to me about something, and I ain't come up against it. I, I don't know. I have to go check somebody. You know, talk to somebody about that. You know, like the dog man. Uh, we got twelve reports of possible dog man around this area. You know. I don't really deal with the hot dog man stuff like that, but I went out and investigate, talked to the witnesses and everything like that. But I just can't see a half-human dog-looking thing walking around the woods. And I could be wrong. Yeah, that's one of the things I hope isn't real. These are different people from different backgrounds and different areas, and every one of them has said it had a tail. Yeah, yeah. I've only spoken to two dog man witnesses face-to-face, um, and a couple others, you know, on, you know, over the phone or whatever. Um, but, uh, only the two people that I spoke to face to face, I have complete 100% trust in. They were not lying to me. One of them was a family member. The other one was a good, good friend. And I don't know what to make of it, man. Cause I know they're not lying, but I don't see the ecological niche. I don't see the biology behind dog, man. It just doesn't make sense to me. Is this a new species? Something mutated? I mean, or is it parent? Is this something truly paranormal? Like, like yeah. it doesn't belong here, and it just happens to be show up accidentally or something? I don't know. But uh, like I said, you know, the people I've talked to, uh, they're real sincere. They're real concerned about what they saw. Yeah. You know, when they said it had a tail, I mean, okay, you seen something coming out of the woods? You sure it wasn't a vine that was attached to them? No, this was a tail. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with that? Like, with with a witness? And I guess it's really like you know what most of the public deals with with Bigfoot, really. But, you know, when you have somebody who appears to be honest and sincere telling you something that you would normally think is absolutely nuts, you know, what does that do for us? Or like, how do you adjust your paradigm? How do you accommodate their perspective? I mean, it it brings up a lot of issues, I guess, you know, because we look into weird things, according to everybody else. This Bigfoot thing isn't a normal thing to be looking into, supposedly. Um, even though I, I strongly suspect it's just, you know, biology, but here we go again. Like this, these people are seeing something. What are we supposed to do with that? And I don't have an answer. I just have a lot of questions. Well, same with me. Uh, I'm open-minded. I'm not going to get really deep involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. You only have so much time and it seems like Bigfoot keeps you pretty busy. Mm, Yeah. No, I haven't run across no, no, uh, big canine feet or nothing like that out in the woods. And that's another thing. There's no, there, uh, I've heard some people have casted some prints, but I haven't seen them. Yeah, for those listening out there, Tom's got a great website. 
Want to talk about that one on Facebook, Tom, the Facebook, Facebook group of men? Yeah, Northern Kentucky Bigfoot Research Group. And we also got a, a, a blog, a lot of information on the blog. And it's called a Bigfoot Lore Blogs Spot. I mean, Blog Spot. You can also Google the Northern Kentucky Bigfoot Research Group and yeah. Tom Shea. Those those words right there. Because um, I can never remember the URL, honestly, Tom. Nothing personal. But I always just go, Northern Kentucky Bigfoot Research, Tom Shea, boom. And it brings me right there every time. So that's my easy way to get there. Yeah, folks, we just did this interview last minute because Cliff's been so busy. He said, hey, I got uh, time tonight. It's Friday night. So we called Tom, and he was gracious enough to come on last minute. And I just contacted uh, Matt Pruitt by text, our editor, producer, and he said he's going to rush it out to get it out for tomorrow night. So this will be out before CryptidCon this weekend in Lexington, Kentucky. And they're giving Tom his own room to set up a bunch of his casts on a huge display at CryptidCon. So you can come down and meet me, Cliff, and Tom and see Tom's uh, evidence this weekend, this Saturday, Sunday in Lexington, Kentucky. And on top of that, Dr. Meldrum will also be there, and you can ask him what he thinks about Tom's evidence. You guys got to introduce me to Mr. Meldrum, Dr. Meldrum. You haven't met him yet? No, sir. No. Oh, my gosh. He has so many of your casts now. I'm so surprised. He's a fan of yours. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, can't wait to meet him. Well, you know those Henry County casts, Tom, the, the handprints that you uh -huh. have? Yeah, when I, I think I told you, but the audience doesn't know. Um, when I first showed that cast to Dr. Meldrum, I go, hey, Jeff, check this out, man. Like, Tom Shea did it again and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, Cliff, don't you think they just took the Paul Freeman hand cast and put that in the ground? You know, and I go, no, dude, look, it's the opposite hand. And he looks at it, and it's like this smile slowly spread across his face because it, it, it looks so similar. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a Freeman cast. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, you know, the Freeman cast is from uh, Biscuit Ridge in the Blue Mountains from 1994, April something, 24th or something. I don't remember, but April uh, 1994. And so Tom got this cast in Henry County, an adjacent county, I think, to Trimble. Um, and uh, I forget the month, but it was in 2016. The shape of the hand, the morphology of the hand, the shape of the fingers, everything about it so strongly resembled the other Freeman cast. From, you know, what, what, 20 years earlier or more, Meldrum goes, oh, yeah, it's a Freeman cast. But it wasn't. It was the opposite hand. The whole reason why it looked so similar was because it had the same morphology and it was about the same size. And on top of it, this blew my mind, too, Tom. You're so humble and you don't, you know, you, you just didn't even tell me. You got two hand casts from that same location and they both happened to be the same hand. So from one cast to the other, you can see how it changed its finger positions. Um, and the second cast, which uh, is, is a newer one in my collection here, um, thank you to you again, Tom, you can see the leading edge of the ring finger's fingernail. So if that is a hoax, which I'm confident it isn't, but for a skeptic who would claim that this is a hoax, you have to have somebody with a big-ass hand or two complete separate um, wooden cutouts or whatever they use with fingers in this in different positions. And each one of those cutouts would have to have the exact same anatomy that we now can associate with Sasquatch hands. Like, like the lack of the thinner pad with that big muscle at the base of the thumb, the, the fingers are shorter and thicker in proportion to the palm than would be in humans. Um, it just the, the, the chances of that are just astronomical against it. So it's mind blowing. 
to, skeptics have a lot of explaining to do. I don't really know what to say about all that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just started a rant, you know, my rants about my love of Tom Shea. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I do it all the time. Uh, I just love doing this stuff. And, and, and the evidence I collect, I mean, if, if it goes good for, for science and for learning, I'm good for that. I meet a lot of new people now. Uh, I teach a lot of people how to cast. It's one of the biggest things right now I'm doing. Uh, making molds. I've done a lot of mold making here lately. Oh, yeah. You, you kind of gave me some indication about that. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I got that perfected right now. Uh, really good, which is nothing to it. Anybody can do it. Don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, tell them that because people need to know how to copy their own casts. Yes. Well, the Nutella, Nutella uh, tricks, I was showing it to a person and I only had one and they had dropped it and it busted. And I had asked you for another one. I went ahead and made a mold of that. I got my originals locked up real good. Well, yeah, because, you know, um, there have been a couple examples over time of the original cast being broken for some very important casts. Um, off the top of my head, the Elkins Creek cast from Georgia, one of the ones that Jimmy Chilcutt is, is sure that um, dramatic lithics are present upon. Um, the original cast by uh, Jerry Crew. Well, yeah, yeah, the original Jerry Crew cast is broken. Luckily, we have the pieces of that one. But the Elkins Creek cast, they're gone. Uh, it broke in shipping, and they, I think they threw it away. The original is now gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, also, check this out. Um, according to Rick Knoll, um, who told me this, the original Dennis Hereford cast is broken and gone. No one knows where it is or it's broken. They threw it away. Jesus. So, yeah, so if it wasn't for uh, Dr. Meldrum, I'm, not, I'm sorry, Dr. Krantz, my mistake, and uh, Rick Knoll also made a copy of it. Um, if it wasn't for those two, there would be no copies of that cast. So it's so vitally important that every single cast that is obtained anywhere has a mold made of it. Because once that original is broken, you know, somebody may not think they could fix it or maybe it is beyond repair and they throw it away and that data is lost forever. Yeah. Hey, Tom, I have a couple more questions for you. Okay. Okay, you, you found you cast your first track, you said, I think, 1990, and you've identified probably five individuals. Like, what at what time frame did you find these, you know, discover these different individuals? Like, one was 1990, what was the next ones? Well, it wasn't until after uh, when when you and Cliff uh, was out here in the shop and you were telling me about, and Cliff was telling me about the toes, to compare them up and stuff like that when I, when I uh, learned anything about that. And I went through all my cast and matched them up best I could. And that's how I come up with it. You know, I got a couple that, you know, it's kind of iffy, but I learned a lot from other people too, like you all. Well, it's a give and take situation. I mean, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that Bobo and I have learned a lot from you as well. Just going out to that, that your spot that one day and tracking around some stuff for a while. I mean, I, I learned a lot. So I want to thank you for that. When you look back at your cast, I know you, you take such good records and you document everything. When did you, what was the date you noticed new footprints showing up? And is there certain individuals you found more of over the years? Is some uh, only certain times of the year? Like 2014 was really when uh, things started changing around here. Uh, that's when I got more and more different footprints about that time. 
before then, you know, uh, I only got two different separate separate type of uh, individuals. But about 2014 is when I've noticed different sizes, you know, whiffs and stuff like that. Was that the year that the the big hurricanes blew in real far inland and were like tropical storms still when they got to Kentucky area and did all the damage, or was there? We had a we had a drought about that time. Yeah, we did. That summer in 2014, I believe, uh, if I'm correct, we had a heat wave here. And for two months, it stayed uh, in this triple-digit heat index. Grass died. Our, you know, we had an early fall because uh, it was drought and the leaves fell in August. I mean, that's how bad it was. But I think that was it. We had a drought. And they stayed ever since? Pretty much, are they part of the year? They they stay in the same area around here. Like I said, I, I get castings all the time, you know, all year round. I don't know. Uh, everybody says they migrate. These don't. Uh, I'm not sure they do. <laughs> like, I don't really agree with that. Like them migrating. Mm. You know, like so, I, I think they may they, they certainly put some miles under their feet, but not in the migration sort of way. I don't think. No, I, I look for them to go in like a, a three or four county area, you know. I mean, uh, Kentucky counties are small. It's not like out west. Where you, uh, my county is like 140 miles long and 60 miles wide. Your counties are, what, 20, 30 miles across max? Yeah. That's still yeah. a pretty good run, though, you know, three or four yeah. counties, you know. Because uh, the, the best documented case of an individual Sasquatch moving around is the original Bigfoot from 1958, the Jerry Crew animal. Um, he was found, his footprints were found, we believe, in Bluff Creek in between August and maybe November. And then in Highland Palm, 60 miles away as the crow flies um, in uh, April and that time of year. So that, that kind of jibes with what you've been seeing out there, isn't it, Tom? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I got more castings of, of the Goliath cast than I do of the others. Yeah, he might be, he just might have a home range, like right near you at that one mm-hmm. uh, research spot, so. We got it. What is it? Midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Your time out there, Tom, right now? Uh, it's five after twelve. Oh God! Keeping you guys well, up. Oh, yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy talking. <laughs> <laughs> we enjoy talking to you too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we'll definitely have you back on. I, I know we just—you're so modest. You don't you don't boast or anything, but I know you've got a lot more info and stories to tell. Yeah. Now that's one thing. Somebody came up to me, asked me the other day. He goes, "What are you going? Who are you going to give all your uh, research stuff to?" And I just kind of smiled and said, "Well, that's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> that's a surprise, right?" <laughs> Let's let the cat out of the bag. It's Bobo. Yeah, you deserve it more than anyone, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I, I think I know who it's going to. Well, that's hopefully not going to be for a long time. You're not that old, Tom. No, no, yeah, no, I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, like like the rest of us. No. Oh. Wow. oh now I'll tell you what, the other day when I walked a couple of ridges, I was like, man, this is this is a job for a young man, not an old man. This <laughs> <laughs> is not a job for a cigarette smoker. No, I mean my legs uh were killing me. Oh that's so I right. got pins got pins in my legs. That's right. Like, oh Lord. You know. I was feeling my oats that day. 
<laughs> yeah, but but you know, you're you're kind of showing, man. You don't have to go 20 miles back into roadless areas to do this sort of stuff. If you if if you organize it right, and I don't, I mean, whether you did it on accident or on purpose, who cares? You got it going on, man. You got you have a location that's close to you that you can frequent often, and you have a good network of people looking out for you. You couldn't you couldn't find all these things without all those other people, and that's the thing. You can't really work in isolation. You need to do um, you know some reach out to the community in general to get the leads, so you know where to go. And you have all of that going for you, man. So uh, it, it's really a unique situation. There aren't a whole lot of places across America or anywhere in the world that um, have something like what you have going on. And that's a, a tribute to you and um, a testament to your success. Well, thank you. Thank you. You have the blog. You have uh, you speak at conferences. You you give casts away. You teach other people what you know. Again, man, you're a model for the community, and I want to thank you for being our friend and also for coming on the show. So, oh, I enjoy being here. Yeah, thanks, Tom. We appreciate it, and the uh, listeners appreciate it. And we'll be seeing you next week at CryptidCon in Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, I can't wait. I, I can't wait to see some of these new casts, man. <laughs> I know. But thank you all for having me. All right, Tom. I'll see you next week, my friend. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, Cliff. That was great, man. The, the hangout with Tom Shea is always a treat. Yeah, the guy's so humble. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, holy smoke. I mean, I mean, I, I know I sound totally gushing, but I'm just in, in awe of what this guy's accomplished over the years. Um, and I'm not flattering him. I'm really not. I'm just calling it straight. It's not an exaggeration that he's every bit as good as Titmus, every bit as good as Patterson, every bit as good as anybody you can name. It's just that his accomplishments came in a different form. You know, Patterson yeah. got the film. Titmus was a uh, cutting edge at the time. Uh, Tom is is what we're all striving to be. And I and I'm not I'm not BSing, man. I'm not fluffing it up. This guy's the real deal, and I, I can't say that enough. I can't say enough nice things about him. I think he's the best ever, just for the fact of his documenting everything. Yeah, that sets him aside. I mean, let alone I mean, I have, we didn't even ask him how many casts he's gotten, but um, just by hanging out with the guy and. Kind of getting a rough feel. I, I'm guessing 150, 200 original casts that he himself no, he, poured. He told me over 200. Really? See, yeah. now no, no, put that in, in the perspective here. Um, I was just talking to Meldrum about this maybe like a few months ago. Um, he and I are thinking there's about 300 or so casts in the world. And Tom has over 200 and only a fraction of those have ended up in um, Jeff's or my collection. Yeah, you need the U-Haul to go pick them all up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, okay, there's 300 casts. Tom has 200 that we haven't got a hold of or haven't even seen, documented, photographed, anything, aren't even aware of. That's 500 casts in the world. And, um, you know, and he has obtained 40% of them. Right. That's ridiculous. That's just think, absolutely I think, ridiculous. I think he's cast over 300, but I think he said 200 were decent. Yeah. You know, I just need to, I need to get some money together and some time and go out there and just like, you know, dude, take me to your storage unit, you know, take right. me to your leader. Right. You know, when he, when I went in his house and he showed me his stacks of those spiral notebooks full and he pulled them out and I was looking at him and, you know, Look at it, 1997, you know, these notes and sketches. And I was like, oh, there's going to be, when, when the Sasquatch is a recognized species here, whenever that is, 
they are going to be there is going to be major universities fighting over that archive to document and catalog and organize and you know it's it's going to be a treasure trove a truly a true treasure trove for future you know anthropologists yeah yeah i mean he he's a better researcher than i am i, I have no problem saying that man he's got better results and takes better notes than i do right yeah yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. And, uh, he's about the only guy I can think of. He's the only living guy I can say that about. Yeah, to my, yeah, then again, you know, we didn't know about Tom before finding Bigfoot. You know, when we filmed there, I, Mantooth or some, one of our producers, I don't know who it was, found this guy um, and hooked us up with him. And we didn't know he was on the map. We didn't know anything about the guy. At least I didn't. It makes me wonder how many other guys are, or gals, how many other people are out there who are doing the same thing and have the same humble, quiet attitude as Tom Shea that we, you know, have yet to be discovered. I think we've found a lot of them now. I mean, there's not too many guys. So, I mean, there's, there's gotta be some, but we've met a few of them on the road in the last 10 years or so. And, you know, one guy who's pretty impressive too, that's got pretty good results and, you know, takes notes and all that is uh, Jeff, the crypto Hulk Stewart down in Texas. He's got, he told me he's got, you know, over 150 plus casts. What? That guy with the animal noises from the Texas episode? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, he's got he said he's got he said he's got lots of them. He goes, uh, you know, he's all I just you know, I don't bring them all around everywhere. He's all but I got them. No kidding. Yeah, well if that if that's true, which I have no reason to doubt, of course, but if that's true, then I guess his humility does um match that of Tom Shea because I have no idea. Oh, no one's that humble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tom doesn't, I, I, it, it might be true that Tom doesn't have the right perspective about what he's accomplished, you know, because right. he is so humble and just like, I do it cause I love it. And that's kind of the end of it, you know? Yeah. I remember when I think what, maybe it was when we we're filming with him or maybe it was after when I started getting to know the man, he said, uh, said, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I, I gave that cast to a kid. What? So yeah, I gave the, you gave the cast the original. Yeah. 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 I do that sometimes. You really no, no, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> My heart sank when he said that. I was just, I was, you don't know what you've done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, make copies, give the copies away. The originals belong in, you know, academic archives and museums and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, Tom, love that guy, man. And for any of the listeners that came by and said hi to us at uh, Paracom last week in Michigan. Thanks for that. It was nice meeting you because I met a few people in person that said they kind of discovered us through the podcast. I didn't even finding Bigfoot. They just got to know us through this. And I was like, well, that's, I was pretty shocked, but it was cool to hear that. Yeah, that is cool. It's like a new audience or something. And I, I don't know if I told you, but um, I, at Michigan Paracon, you know, and if, for anybody who doesn't know, the Paracon is like a paranormal con, even though I don't think Bigfoots are paranormal. But, you know, there's a bunch of ghost people and UFO people and psychics. Nerd. So I was just sitting up. Yeah, I know. I was just sitting at my table thinking, right? Like it was a kind of a slow moment and I was sitting there thinking about stuff. And some psychic walks by and looks at me and says, keep it to yourself. <laughs> I said, I'm going to set up a, a psychic reading booth next time. And it's only going to be five bucks. It's going to be quick, but it'll be the most accurate reading you're ever going to get. I'm going to read your palm and say, I looked into the crystal ball. You're going to get old, pay taxes and die. Uh, you're such, such the optimist. <laughs> hey, I'll be, I'll be right every time. <laughs> I was thinking while I was sitting there, it's like, it's a good thing. These people can't read my mind. I'm so exactly. thankful that my, my thoughts are only my own. <laughs> exactly. 
That's funny. But it was a good time. God, I love that place. And that lady went outside to sing down the UFOs again, and I missed it. Well, she didn't do it. She did it earlier this year. Did she? I don't know, man. Like, and I understand she sings jazz standards to them. Dude, I heard it was just stupendous. It was the highlight. Everyone that saw it said it was the highlight of their weekend. And uh, John Tenney told me, actually, who's another potential guest for our show. We got to have that oh, guy on. Definitely. John's the best, but he told me after the whole thing was over, um, that like everybody's looking up with their arms up in the air and, and she starts singing or something. And then this giant shooting star goes overhead right at the exact moment that you would expect something like that to happen. And everybody, (gasps) she's real and the whole deal and stuff like that. It's like, Oh my God, that's so awesome. The 14th century. (laughs) <laughs> it really is 14th century. <laughs> oh, I love it. And who knows, man, maybe she called that thing in. I don't know. But then next time I'm there, I'm not going to miss that, man. That was one of the highlights the last time I was at Paracon, watching this lady uh, sing jazz standards to the sky in hopes of UFOs coming. Oh, dude, it's, I, I can't tell you how disappointed I am that I missed that. All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure, man. Not only to talk to you, but to Tom Shea as well. And, I guess, uh, I don't know, man. I guess in the meantime, we'll have to keep it squatchy, as you say. Oh, yeah. We'll keep it squatchy, baby. You people out there listening, thanks for listening. And you keep it squatchy as well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 